0: You're listening to audio from The House, located in Kelowna, BC. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit us at thehouseonline.ca. Now, we are in a new series for the beginning of 2019 called Travel Light. We thought this would be a good way to start the the new year, kind of looking ahead. And uh, we've got all of the kind of 12 months ahead of us. And this is a great time of year to think about priorities and goals and purpose and all those different things. And so the inspiration from this comes from that metaphor of traveling light by just packing the essentials, packing just the things that you need for the trip, and not, not kind of getting burdened down and bogged down by, by carrying too much. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been with a younger family on a beach trip. Maybe, maybe you remember that with your, your own family uh, I know that not many of you have kids, have little kids. I I have had a Honda Odyssey for nine years, okay, and uh, I just sold that thing two weeks ago and got rid of it. And um, yeah, I got a I got a truck, so now I can be cool like the rest of the world, and uh, with my four wheel drive and uh, and all that. But but this um, you know this this Honda Odyssey and kids and and. We, we would do beach trips, you know, living in Kelowna and being, being here is this beautiful place that we get to live. And um, a three-hour beach trip, a three-hour afternoon, you know, you think, this is going to be so relaxing. This is going to be awesome. We'll go to the beach with the kids for a couple hours in the afternoon. And it is like you need the spiritual gift of minivan packing just to go to the beach for three hours, paddle boards and inflatables and compressors. And uh, life jackets and water shoes and snacks and drinks and a picnic lunch with plates and the knives and the the, garbage bags and the wipes to kind of clean up and umbrellas and sunshade and chairs and towels and goggles and sunscreen and frisbees and shovels and pails and super soakers. And it's like on and on and on. It's like you pack everything you possibly can into the van because you might need it at the beach. The kids might wanna play with the Frisbee. They might wanna play with the football. They might, and, and so you, you go there, you load it all up, and you, it's already been like half a day to pack and get ready for your three hours at the beach, and you get there, and then you have to like, you know, take everything out, set it all up, set up the shade and uh, set up the chairs and your blankets and lay them out and you gotta get the the dinghy blown up and you gotta get the fin on the paddle board and you gotta get everything ready and then you gotta get the kids lathered up in their sunscreen and by the time everything is blown up and set up and ready to go, they're hungry and want lunch and so you sit down and have lunch and then they're crabby and you pack up the van and go home. (laughs) And that's kind of what it's like to go to the beach with little kids. And it's like there is so much stuff, and there's, there's, you, you pack so much in. It becomes like a strategic event just to take three hours at the beach. And the ironic thing is that there's so much stuff that it takes that you actually miss out on the beach experience itself. And the beach experience itself is greatly diminished because of all of the other things. And I think that is so applicable, that is so much like our life. We live in an overhyped, jacked-up culture that fills our life full of clutter. Our lives are full of clutter. Relational clutter, digital clutter, all kinds of priorities and vision and values that are, that are like we're running all over the place and filling our lives full of all kinds of things. Digital white noise and things like fighting, they're fighting for our attention, comparing ourselves to others driven by a fear of missing out, our lives become bogged down by carrying and loading on all of the non-essentials. And in the metaphor that we're using for this series, we're saying the the suitcase is really, uh, it's the extension of our heart, of our soul, the core of who we are, our values, our priorities. This is is our heart, the suitcase. And, And the trip that we're on is the life that Jesus has called us to live. The life he's called us to live as believers and people of the spirit to live fruitful and redemptive, you know, redeemed, healed, whole lives for Jesus. And so the question is, like, what do we pack in the suitcase? What's essential for the trip? So we're gonna take a couple of weeks and just take a look at some different themes around this metaphor. And the first tonight that we wanna look at This first idea is this idea of having and developing a covenant connection to Jesus. The Gospel of Luke records the Last Supper between Jesus and his disciples. And we thought, you know, to start the beginning of the year by taking communion together would be a great opportunity for us as a community to kind of kick off the calendar year ahead. Let's take communion together. At the end of the, uh, the, end of the evening in the service, we're going to take communion and, and share in prayer together. And we're going to honor the Lord and honor Jesus and, and, uh, and the new covenant that he's formed and created. And in Luke twenty two twenty, 20, it says this. Uh, Jesus He makes a, a very bold statement when he does this. He says, um, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Jesus announces that the purpose of his life and ministry, the culmination of what he's been doing, he's been teaching and working with the disciples, he's been ministering to people, he's been proclaiming the gospel, he's given his life the last three years into public ministry. And the culmination of this, on the night before he's betrayed and all that happens, Jesus says, I am going to bring the new covenant. And this simple statement is actually quite revolutionary, and I want to take a closer look at the significance of Jesus and this idea of covenant and what it means. Covenant means... Hmm... Okay, so that is is—it's an interesting one, for sure. <laughs> okay. Covenant. I think I got it, I think I got it. So, look at the camera? Yeah. It, I think it means? Yeah, Say, so to okay. me, covenant means. Okay. When I hear the word covenant, what comes to mind right away is absolute commitment. To me, covenant means like a promise, or like a bond that can keep people together, keep them holding on to their word. To me, covenant means a promise. But it's... that's a hard one to answer. Uh, the word covenant, to me, I think is, is a promise of some kind, but it's a, a promise at a deeper level. To me, covenant means a very personal agreement between two parties or more. And it's all based on trust. Covenant to me means that you are willing to sacrifice your life for other people and I guess make an exchange kind of of life. So you share in their good and the bad with them um, and vice versa, they're there for you in the same way. When I think of a covenant I think um, God's promises to us and I think a covenant made between a man and a woman when they get married so it's a promise when I think of covenant I think of regardless of what one person or the other person does um, they've chosen to um, to uphold that covenant to uphold that promise to each other to me the covenant uh, that word really means more of a promise to me it just It makes me think of the genuine love that God has and the promise that He's given us. To me, covenant means connection. And I think we're all really created for a connection with each other and with the Lord and having that secure connection. We all just desire to be known and be seen for who we are and loved for who we are. And so we have that hope that we have this covenant with the Lord, that we can have that real authentic connection. Covenant seems a bit more personal than like a legal agreement. It feels a bit more like it's involved in someone's uh, personal beliefs of their day-to-day life. To me, covenant is an agreement. It's an agreement that doesn't have expectation. Covenant, to me, means promise. When you think about the covenant that God made with his people, it's like, uh, what did he get out of the deal? (laughs) He got love of imperfect, broken creatures that are made in his image. And we stand to gain everything from his covenant. So it's not fair, but it is beautiful. And that's unconditional love. Some familiar faces on the video. There's uh, certainly lots of ideas on covenant and what it means, and it's probably not the most common theme or topic to us in our culture today. But a few things that covenant, I think, does, and this, this idea of, of Jesus forming new covenant and, 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 and the, the work of Jesus and the, the ministry and the mission of Jesus, and what it does is I think that covenant establishes importance. Jesus is really elevating the significance of who he is and, and what he's done to the, the people of the day. Uh, first century Jews held the principles of covenant in the highest regard. Following the covenants and the Torah were the basis not only for their faith, but how they oriented their whole life, how they, how they lived and set up even their own uh, sense of community and, and discipline and work and their ethics and everything about their life was established and built around the covenants. And it was a very important uh, concept to them. Now, things today, are, they're very different in our culture because the idea of covenant is practically... Uh, a foreign concept. It's, it's, it's not something that happens in everyday life. If, if I wasn't a pastor, I would probably go months, maybe even years, before I used the word covenant myself. It's just not a part of my everyday, regular life. And uh, I can't even recall the last time that I used the word covenant in regular conversation. But we still use covenants in our life. Covenants are still present in our life, but they are somewhat diminished. Even the whole idea of covenant is really kind of diminished in its level of importance and significance in our world today. Uh, Santa brought a few new iOS devices to our home over Christmas. And um, when you time things right, this is the, uh, let me give you a word of advice, okay? Just, just file this one away. Parental advice. Probably the number one parental advice is don't ever buy your kids a device. Okay, that's the number one like parental advice. But when you make the mistake like like we did and you get them into that, always try to do it around um, a birthday or Christmas or something because when the every two year contract comes up, you can go and get a new phone or a new device and it doesn't cost you anything and you can wrap it up and put it under the tree. And so that's, uh, that's, just, a little, that's just a little side note. And so Santa came and gave us a couple of new, uh, new devices this year. And um, I spent the afternoon on Christmas Day doing what I think probably uh, a lot of dads do on Christmas Day. I ended up backing up and loading all the settings from the old ones onto the cloud and then opening up the new ones and getting them all configured and downloading and getting all the settings going. And um, every time a new app or a new, uh, you know, a new something is loaded on and we get it configured and get the new device going, uh, the little window pops up that says, do you agree? Uh, do you agree to the terms and the conditions? Of the, you know, like pages and pages of legal jargon. And I did what, what I think all of us do. I just skipped over it all and never read any of it and clicked yes, I totally agree and gave my life away to whatever it was I was signing and just kind of kept going. And so I think probably just on Christmas Day alone, I signed at least a dozen or more covenants with Apple and Google and, um, and committed to them. I'm, I'm not even sure what. But this idea of... This idea of covenant or of commitment and of connection to, this, it's, it's very diminished and downplayed in our culture today. And um, we, don't, we don't appreciate the concept of covenant with the same importance as this first century Jewish culture that Jesus lived in. The disciples who were Jews, who, who were formed and shaped under the importance of what covenant was and what it represented. And so... My, my question kind of where I'm going and kind of what is, is part of, of, of this is this idea that if, if we don't really grasp what, co- what covenant is, the whole concept and the importance and the significance of what covenant is, I wonder if we can even fully grasp the importance of what Jesus has done on the cross and the forgiveness that he's offered and all that that entails as the new covenant if we don't really understand even what covenant is. And so it's hard, I think, for us to fully appreciate who Jesus is, what he's done, and the significance of his ministry and his mission when we, we don't really understand the significance of, uh, of, of covenant and that concept. And so when Jesus makes this announcement, he redefines their belief system. Uh, in Hebrews, it says when, when God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date, and will soon disappear. And Jesus comes in and he becomes the fulfillment. He becomes the kind of like the new terms and, and the fulfilled, uh, the, the requirements and all the, things that, all the things that were pointing to God and to reconciliation with God and all the things that, that were, uh, the, 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 the Jews were under and, and, and living towards. Jesus comes in and he kind of fulfills all of that and takes it to the next level. And following uh, Jesus, is a significant thing. Faith in Jesus was much more than finding a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It was a reorientation of their entire life. Following Jesus meant, often meant for a first century Jew to convert to Jesus, to new covenant belief in Jesus, often meant that they would lose friends and family and everything that they'd known. And the cost was significantly high. It was quite a change for them. There was a level of importance of following Jesus that I think sometimes escapes us in our culture today. And the early converts to Christianity, they lived their new faith in Jesus with the same level of commitment and discipline, the same way that they would orient their whole life towards following God and honoring God under the old covenants. They they kind of transferred all of that passion and that energy and that life and that discipline towards Jesus. And so it is elevating faith commitment to Jesus. And when we celebrate communion and we we go to the Lord's table and we remember the the work of the new covenant and the accomplishments of the new covenant in our life, it is elevating Jesus to the highest level that we as humanity can, can hold, which is covenant with God. It's a significant, important event. The second is covenant establishes identity. The most common application of covenant throughout the ancient world was between a ruling authority, a governing authority, and the common people of the day. A typical scenario might be something like a king who would live in a fortified, walled city, some sort of fortress, self-sustaining city, and uh, protected and safe, and even have some people in there and kind of a mini self-sustaining society or culture, and the, the king would live within that. Now, what made that possible was the cooperation and working with all of the people in the surrounding countryside and uh, having a covenant agreement with them. And so the farmers and their crops, the, the ranchers and their livestock, and all of the supporting network of people, what would happen is this, is the king would form a covenant relationship with the people outside of the walls of the kingdom. And he would come to them and he say, in exchange for your loyalty, we'll form this covenant relationship And I will give you, I will treat you and consider you, I will bring you in as an extension of my kingdom. And what this did is the the farmers and the people out in the countryside were able to live and enjoy all of the benefits of being a part of the kingdom. If the people were attacked, an attack on the people was considered an attack on the kingdom and the king would defend that at all costs. And so they were able to live somewhat free and and worry-free and trouble-free, knowing that they were protected, knowing that they had the watchful eye and the protection of being in the kingdom. They identified as being in the kingdom. And this really changed and transformed their life. Now, a covenant relationship with Jesus is very similar. When you open your heart to faith in Jesus... And sometimes you might hear that. Maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, man, church is weird. What are they talking about? Like blood and communion and covenant. And I don't know what is going on. And, and um, you know, I, I would like to say this. We, we might be a little bit weird, but we're safe, okay? And so sometimes you might have questions. You wanna figure that out. But, but here's, here's part of where this starts and this kind of makes sense when we think about Jesus is when you open your heart, you open your, yourself up to belief in Jesus, Part of that is coming to faith in Jesus is there's a welcoming into into Jesus, into his kingdom. Jesus opens the doors of his kingdom, essentially, and and brings us in. 1 John 3 says those who believe in Jesus become the children of God. Romans 8 tells us that we become co-heirs with Jesus in the kingdom of God. Our identity comes from being children of the Most High. When you have faith in Jesus, Jesus forms a covenant relationship with you and he says, I extend my kingdom into, over, around your life, around your heart. And it gives us an identity and it gives us a value. And so our jacked up culture has a tendency to form our identity in things like our status and our success. And we spend so much time and so much energy and so much focus obtaining these kinds of things. And it's our degrees, our job, our net worth, our car, our beauty, our physique, our popularity. There are so many things that we get our identity from. External things. All of those things are temporal and fading. They are things that scripture says rust and moth are going to destroy. Packing your heart with those things will weigh you down, will trip you up. If we use this idea and this picture and this metaphor that your heart, your soul, the, the innermost being of who you are, your center, your values, your priorities, everything that your life is about, the things that make you tick, your commitments, your, when you take that and we fill that full of the temporal things of this world that moth and rust will destroy. What happens is there's no room for the things of the Spirit. There's no room for the things of the kingdom. There's no room for this peaceful, loving, covenant connection with Jesus. It gets squeezed out. And so the idea is, what are we putting in? What what are we looking for? What are we striving for? What What are we obtaining for? What are we getting our identity from? Being in a covenant with Jesus means that we get our identity from him. He is the king of kings. He's our Lord. The other, Another thing that I think covenant does is it establishes value. Entering a covenant with someone is a declaration of their worth to you. Now, my wife has pledged her love, and she has chosen me above everyone else. And um, that is a really good feeling. And I, I did really well. I, I did better than she did, I think, probably in the long run. That's just the truth of it. And you know what, her faithfulness to me is an expression of my value to her. And I hope that it's reciprocated back to her. My faithfulness and my commitment to her is a declaration of my value and her value to, to one another, what, how I value her and how she values me. And you know, sometimes marriage in our culture gets quite a negative rap in publicity and context but it is tremendously liberating and life-giving to have a covenant connection with someone and to know that they chose you, that they value you. Ephesians 2, 4, 5 says this, God is so rich in his mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. And so we are not saved by works or actions or rules and legalism. We're not saved by performing and those things. We are saved because of God's grace. And we have God's grace because he loves us. And he loves us because he values us. Having a covenant relationship and a covenant connection to Jesus is Jesus declaring over your life that he values you. In fact he valued you so much it says that he uh, he gave his life he gave his life for us because we were dead in our sins Jesus valued you so much not because of what you're going to do for him not because of how obedient you are or how many times you come to church or how perfect you are or how many times you try to pray and read your Bible this week and none of that makes Jesus love you more in fact the value that Jesus has declared over your life has already been declared over you because he gave his life for you because he loved you. And this is something that we can experience and we can walk in. A covenant relationship with Jesus is an expression of his love and value for us. Our value doesn't come from the approval of others. Our value doesn't come from our achievements or our accomplishments. Our value comes from Jesus' love And that is a freeing truth. The covenant connection with Jesus means that he lavishes his love on us. Now, I'm gonna get ready to, uh, we're gonna close in just a minute. I'm gonna get the band to come, and uh, we're gonna get ready to kind of wrap things up. And uh, before we do that, and, and we'll go into communion in just a minute, just one more kind of idea, one more kind of thought, that I wanna look at part of the significance of what it means to have a covenant connection with Jesus. And that is that covenant establishes connection. The most important covenant relationship that I have is with my wife. We made a covenant to be faithful to one another and to honor one another through all of the challenges and changes that would come our way. And we've discovered that our marriage won't last by coasting on the fumes of a commitment that we made to one another some 26 years ago. The love tanks start to run dry. We need to prioritize one another. We found that we need to be intentional about staying connected. And for us, that means prioritizing a date night. It means finding times and opportunities where we can get together. One of the things that we love to do is Angie and I like to sneak away to uh, Vancouver a couple of times a year without the kids, even if it's just a quick overnight trip. And that's something that we, uh, we love to do. And um, in fact, just over, uh, over New Year's, our kids are, uh, our oldest is in grade 12, and uh, grade 10, and grade 8. And so uh, they're at the age and the stage in their life where for us to just go away for a night, we can do it. And we don't have to worry about the fire department showing up and you know tragedies and all kinds of things. And they're pretty good on their own. And so what we did is for, for New Year's, we went down to the Eldorado. They had a four-course dinner. We got all dressed up, and uh, we tried to look pretty and handsome for one another, and uh, we checked into the hotel, had dinner together. They had a party later in the night, and we blew the, the things and celebrated, and it was lots of fun. Uh, had a room for the night. The next day, we got up, had brunch, and uh, it's so beautiful down there, the, the, just with the water and the lights, and just, we had such a great night. Now, we walked out of the Eldorado, about 18 hours after we walked in. We walked out of the Eldorado holding hands, gushing at one another, oh shmoopy whoopy, I love you so much, and, and it, just, it, just, it, it just connected us again. It was like there's something that was, like we took time, we valued one another, we made it important, we invested in one another, we, we honored one another in our relationship, we honored our commitment and our covenant to one another. Living in covenant is so much more than the vows we made 26 years ago. Living intentionally, uh, the decisions that we've made a hundred times since to honor one another, to stay together, to work it out, to keep together, that is just as important. That is just as honoring. That is just, that is as much a part of the covenant we form as the vows and the commitment that we made 26 years ago. A covenant connection with my wife means I'm engaged in a present tense relationship with her. One of the revolutionary elements of the new covenant is this idea when the priesthood of all believers is established. Where we, as people who believe in Jesus, have faith in Jesus, have become, we call this born again, committed our lives to Jesus, welcome Jesus in our heart, become a Christian. There's lots of different language we, we use around that. But this idea when we have committed our lives and have faith in Jesus, that we have direct access to God. We no longer need to be bound by the legalism of following the rituals and requirements of the old covenant and those kinds of things. We we have the ability to host the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. There's a priesthood of all believers. We all have direct access. You're not, you don't have to be limited by institutions and priests, and you, you have access to God. In John 10:27, it says that we are Jesus' sheep. He's our good shepherd, we know his voice. He knows us and we know him. We know his voice and we follow him. And the picture we have of Jesus is this living, present relationship. And this is significant, this is an important part of the new covenant with Jesus, is this idea to have close, direct, personal connection to him. This is part of what it means to say we have a relationship with Jesus. And it's this. It's that Jesus walks with you in your life. You have the opportunity to stop and pause and open your heart to pray and to meditate and think on Jesus and to invite him in and to give you guidance and direction and, and to help him lead and strengthen your life and to be present in your life as a good shepherd is. Forming a covenant relationship with Jesus is an ongoing, present-state relationship. It's not a one-time thing that we just do and we just some decision we made and nothing really changed or, or affected our life. It's continually walking with the Good Shepherd. It's continually knowing that we are His sheep. And we know Him. We know His voice. And we follow Him. And uh, this is our Communion Sunday when we will collectively remember Jesus and the new covenant. We remember that he is so important, the things, the accomplishments, the the ministry, the mission of Jesus, the extension of forgiveness and grace and mercy and love, that he welcomes us into his kingdom, that he gives us a new identity, that he declares his value over us, that he has opened the door and made a way for us to have direct connection to the Good Shepherd. This comes through the new covenant work of Jesus. And so we're gonna celebrate this by taking communion together tonight. And so I'm gonna get the team to come and they're gonna get ready. And um, if you're wondering, uh, the crackers are gluten-free, okay? So um, you're able to participate in that if you have an allergy. And um, we are going to pass around. Now the, the emblems are gonna come. The, the cracker is gonna come first. You can take one Just kind of keep passing it along, hold on to that cracker, and then the grape juice is going to follow, and you can uh, hold on to that grape juice, and we're going to take it together in remembrance of, uh, of Jesus tonight. And so we're just going to kind of sit and worship and meditate on Jesus and his love and his grace in this moment. Thanks for listening to audio from the house. For more information or resources, visit us at thehouseonline.ca.